Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You know I'm right. Episode 29 right here at W Sports Radio Network. Nick Durst joined, of course, by Joe Calabrese and... Joe, the big news in sports this week, well, there's a bunch of big things, but we'll start with the, the news-worthy thing here, and we'll see if it becomes a trend, and that is the Big Ten is planning to hopefully just play a spring season and not participate in the fall. We'll see if the other conferences follow. Obviously, this would disqualify them from being in the national championship game because they would be playing in the fall if the other leagues decide to play in the fall. So what are your thoughts on this, Joe, and do you see the other conferences following suit pretty shortly? Uh, well, we know that the Pac-12 has had preliminary discussions, and I believe that they are having their own meeting uh, fairly soon to discuss everything that's probably going to transpire after this. But yeah, so as of right now, we know that the Big Ten has canceled the fall season, right, all sports seasons, which includes college football. Now, for anybody that doesn't know how the, the, the NCAA system works, most of it is a, uh, it's a crock of you-know-what. Uh, most of the revenue that comes in is directly related to college football. That is the only sport that universally turns any kind of revenue and obviously that has a trickle-down effect to the rest of the programs, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But this is, this is extraordinary. And it's something like, something like this has never happened before. And Nick, I, I know you're not really as big of a college football guy as I am. I'm, I'm a big Rutgers fan. Love Rutgers. This directly relates to them now that they're in the Big Ten. I worked one season at Rutgers. And they were so bad. Uh, I think they lost to Ohio State like 70s to 6 or something like that, Michigan State. But I got to say, I worked in the, the Audi Club. The food was fantastic. Great environment for college football. The birthplace of college football, Piscataway, New Jersey, Rutgers University. Don't you forget this it. True. This is very, very true. So the Big Ten commissioners went into this meeting. They made the decision, right? Now... The problem with this is, again, it's all related to revenue, right? And it's a trickle-down effect, which affects the other programs at the uh, the other uh, sports at these big programs, but it also affects the programs at the smaller schools because the smaller schools, they get part of their revenue from scheduling meetings with the bigger schools, right? So why do you think Alabama, they play a tough SEC schedule? They're a perfect example of this. Why do you think they take one or two cream puff games every year with those smaller schools. It's not necessarily for Alabama. I mean, yes, it's a tune-up for the backups, but in the grander scheme of things, it's more important for that smaller school because they get paid the appearance to play with Alabama, right? Well, Appalachian so, State, perfect example. They get a million dollars each year. 
to, to lose. And one year they beat Michigan, now they end up in their D1 school. So that worked for them very well. That worked out for them. And the problem with this is this is not just going to affect sports, right? So they're going to try to play in the spring. That's not going to work, especially for these football players who are preparing for the NFL draft in the spring. They're not going to want to play, right? So now if you don't play and those programs and those sports don't have the revenue, now you're looking at secondary male sports being cut. You're looking at female sports being cut altogether, which is going to create a huge Title IX tidal wave. That's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out in the coming months. But also, the money that is made from the revenue from football, most most sports basketball-wise, and very few sports, I believe, in the South and the West Coast, turn a profit for, uh, for baseball, right? But those are really the only sports that's it, right? So other programs, other academic programs, uh, medical funding, research funding, all that, that comes from the revenue that is ge- generated from college football. So this is going to create a monumental domino effect that's going to affect the entire country. It's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen the next week, but it's going to happen over the course of the next couple of months. It's going to be really, really interesting to see, Nick. Yeah, it's it's a mess situation, and we'll see. I mean, maybe the SEC, they march on, but I think the other conferences are going to end up uh, postponing to the spring, too. Maybe college football goes head-to-head with the XFL. I'm sure it'll do good ratings in the spring. But this also is going to impact basketball because let's say all these football seasons are moved to the spring. There's going to be issues where it comes to, like, CBS, for example. Oh, are we going to air this college basketball game or are we going to air Alabama versus LSU? Well, they're going to, in football, they're going to pick the football game. So then there's all, you know, sticky situation there with media rights and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And if there is even going to do sports in in the spring, I really hope there is. I personally do work in broadcasting for college sports, and I would love to be able to work again So, in, in, so in broadcasting. So hopefully for the spring, there is sports. Before we transition, I do have one more interesting factoid. So I'm on Twitter right now. I'm just looking, browsing all the, the, the news and the information that I'm getting, right? So came across an interesting tweet. Now that the Big Ten has officially canceled all sports, 30% of all ticket sales – have now been nixed, right? So that's 30% of all the revenue. If the Pac-12 follows, that's probably going to add another 10 to 15%, as would the Big 12, as would the, the ACC, and, and so on and so forth, right? So, uh, again, this is already directly having a monumental impact on the, the financial situation of all these institutions so yeah what does this do for the nfl draft are players going to even play if they're playing in the spring or does the nfl accommodate and they make the draft in june they make the draft in june it's going to be interesting to see what these players do and what the nfl does as well right the nfl is going to have to make a decision because a lot of these players are not going to want to play in the spring and if they don't want to play in the spring that means that a lot of these players will not have played an organized football game in well over a year, some being probably up to eight months, assuming that the NFL is going to have to move in tandem with the NCAA to move back the NFL draft. That's that's also what I think is going to happen. That's a great point, Nick. Yeah, it's a, it's a monumental shift. And also another monumental shift was August 10th, 2020. Joe, it was 6 p.m. Where were you? 
when the ping pong ball fell, the New York Rangers won. I was getting ready for the Philadelphia Phillies to score 10 runs in the first two innings, but uh, yeah, the New York Rangers, one in a chance, a 12.5% chance of landing the first overall pick in the 2020 NHL entry draft, and they did it. They finally, the, the, the hockey gods and luck were on their side. Well, we got to bring in Dolgy Sports Rangers beat writer, and that is Anthony Paradiso. Anthony, welcome to the show. How are you doing? And could you have thought of a better scenario for the Rangers, other than, of course, winning the Stanley Cup, than making the playoffs, losing, and getting the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft this October? Wow, it's it's just amazing, and you know, thanks for having me on today. And it's it's like a holiday. I mean, it's like it, I, I I could have never imagined the Rangers would get this uh, number one pick, and and it turns out to be Lafreniere, Alexis Lafreniere, who's uh, touted as being a generational talent. He's going to add a lot of skill to that Rangers team that's already full of talent up front. So. I couldn't imagine a better situation for them uh, going forward into into next year. Joe, look at this roster now. You got the captain Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, Lafreniere, Capocacco, and who knows? Who knows what they're going to do with free agency? The, the offense is looking really good, and you got to be excited. Look at defense. You got Miller, who's probably, I would assume, going to be starting the season with the Rangers. But there is something that's uh, really stalling the Rangers' rebuild <laughs> really moving forward, isn't there? Yes, there is. And it's going to be interesting because now that I think uh, Lafreniere is probably the slam dunk number one pick, I don't think they're going to go in any other, in a, any other direction. They now have a logjam at wing, right? They have more wingers who are right now ready to play NHL games than there are at any other position. Right. So you're going to see somebody, I think, like a Pavel Buchnevich be chopped in the offseason. He's probably going to be one of the odd men out. So if he's one of the odd guys out, that means that they're going to be looking to at least trade him probably more for future assets, maybe a prospect or two, maybe a draft pick or two. Uh, depending get, on get, get, we'll take, we'll take Jack Eichel for him. Give, give up the second first <laughs> round pick. Yeah, we need, a, we need another center. But yeah, so I think. I think now that Lafreniere is here, I think not only was the, the rebuilding process, I think that the, the process is totally complete. This draft pick, I think, really ends the whole rebuild phase of the organization. Now they're ready to compete, and now they're ready to win hockey games during the regular season and into the postseason. So now they have a, a – it's not really so much a difficult decision to make, but they're going to have to create one or two more moves to create the cap space necessary to keep what they have in place intact. So you're going to see possibly now them entertaining the idea of buying out Mark Stahl, which is something that I didn't think that was going to happen as shortly as a week ago. So what do you think, Anthony? Lafreniere, Rookie of the Year, future uh, MVP. What, what, do you think, what do you think he's going to be like, and what would his player comparison be to a current pro if you're looking at a, mm. a, a, a game-changing franchise player? Um, he's a winger. He's a left winger. So, you know, fitting in on the Rangers, uh, I think it's going to be interesting if they put him on the first line right away. Um, 
I think Panarin plays a lot of left wing, so that's going to be interesting. As far as his uh, uh, comparable, I'd have to think about that a little bit. I think he's got a great shot. I remember uh, listening to the NHL Network yesterday, Mike Rupp, the analyst there, he said that he predicts uh, 70 points or something like that is in the range. What do you think about that? I'm thinking if we can get like a, a Johnny Gujar type, I think they'll be in, in good shape. So, Joe, what are you expecting from from the Rangers' top pick? And also, what what did you think of Kako's first season? Was it a little disappointing? Did you expect more? And what do you expect from him going into year two now that he has a whole season under his belt? Two good questions. Uh, so the first one, I'll answer that. Uh, I think Lafreniere will make the opening night roster. I don't think he'll be on the top line immediately because those two spots are taken by Kreider and Panarin. But I think him being on the opening night roster and him being on that third line is going to give the Rangers a significant offensive advantage because he's going to be playing mostly against second and third pairing type guys, and he's going to be playing against bottom six guys almost instantaneously. So that'll give him the opportunity to actually be able to create some offense. And in regard to uh, Capo Caco, I'm still very high on him. I think the biggest issue was that he played so many hockey games leading up to the moment that he made the opening night roster. Because a lot of people remember, not only did he play World Juniors, he played at the World Championships for Finland during the summer, right? So he, for him to be able to not only do that and make the opening night roster as a teenager, that's pretty exceptional. So I think what we saw this year was two things. Number one, not really conditioned to the NHL game yet. Number two, he still has to grow into his body and add some strength. So I think in year two, you'll see a better player. I don't know if he's going to necessarily break out, but I think once his third and fourth years come around where he's really fully acclimated to the uh, the NHL game, that's when I think he's going to take off. Anthony, what is going to happen with the king, Henrik Lundqvist? Will he be back, or will we unfortunately be seeing him wearing a uniform elsewhere? And is that going to be via trade, or is it a scenario where they buy him out or release him? Well, he's got that contract. Um, I believe he's not making the eight and a half, but he's making a, a little bit less than that. Um, if they bought him out, um, situation would be that they would pay about three million of his contract. So that would clear about five million off the books next year. Um, it's it's an ugly situation if you buy him out. It, it kind of doesn't look as good as if he retires and you kind of mutually part ways, which is what I think will happen. Wow. I think that, yeah, I, I do. I, do. Do you disagree with that? What do you think? You think he's going to retire, Joe? I mean, he still looked good in the, the series versus Hurricanes. I don't think it was his fault that they lost. Yeah, no, I don't think it was his fault either. I So let's let's be fair about this. Obviously, Henrik Lundqvist has regressed a little bit the last two or three years, and that just comes with age. That said, he's still a good player. He would still start on about a third of the teams in the league, right? And we saw moments this year where he looked like himself. Obviously, he, he hasn't really fallen off too much. Mostly the issue is that at this point, the, the money is something that's going to be a problem for the Rangers with their cap situation. But Jeff Corton yesterday was interviewed and said that the Rangers will not carry three goalies heading into next season. So we do know that a move is coming, right? My big concern is 
if the Rangers are doing everything in their power to make sure Lundqvist is not on the team next year, whether it's because they want to keep Georgiev, whether it's because they need the extra money on the cap, uh, to me, I still think that it would be good for Igor Shosturkin to split games heading into next season with Lundqvist kind of as like that 1B veteran guy on the roster. And, and then, to me, if you let that contract run out, then I think you give him the freedom to do whatever he wants, whether that be retire, whether that be to explore maybe another team that's a contender that's willing to take a one-year, two-year flyer on him to try to get over the hump. That's the way I think you handle this situation. And again, I know it's, it's, it's a big-time money problem. There's, there's really no right path, I think, for the Rangers in the offseason. But I do think Hank still has something left. I still think his veteran presence is still needed in that locker room for a little bit longer. And now that Lafreniere is on the table, the, the, the timetable now was accelerated this year. Now it's significantly accelerated. They're going to be a. They're probably going to be a playoff team next year. Well, speaking of acceleration, Joe, I think David Quinn's on the hot seat now. I think if they don't think make a run next too. season, he's out. I agree. If he makes, if he does not make the playoffs next season, they will get rid of him. I totally agree with that take, one hundred percent. What do you think, do you Anthony? Think? You think Quinn's the guy for the job still? Um, I think he's the guy to develop the younger players. I think he's already done a pretty good job. Um, I think he's seen the big boost, actually not in one of the rookies, but in Mika Zibanejad, right? So over the past couple of years, Zibanejad has gone from a underachieving scorer to now almost fulfilling his potential and this year getting 40 goals. Um, I think that's been great. But as far as once the team becomes a, a playoff contender, um, I'm not sure yet but I'm willing to have an open mind about Quinn because of the job he's done uh, so far. And Anthony, what is your Stanley Cup prediction for this season? Wow. You know, things have uh, changed a little bit. I think I, I, I was picking the Bruins uh, heading into the qualifying round. Now that they, uh, I believe they're, they're going to get the bottom seed in the uh, qualifying round in the Eastern uh, Atlantic division. Um. It's very tough, interesting. Tough matchup with the Hurricanes there. Hurricanes looking good. Definitely. Uh, I know that too well after watching the Rangers play them. Uh, they're looking pretty good. I would still say, I, I would probably say that St. Louis is still my pick. Wow. Again. You know, I, I don't know. Is that Has that changed in recent weeks? I would say that they still have the best overall team on paper. As far as who's been playing the hottest lately, um, you know, Carolina is up there. I just don't know if I'm willing to say Carolina right away because they don't seem to have the the, the goalie, the really hot goalie right now. I mean, well, they, a, they can good. always get Ayers. I mean, they're in Toronto, so they need to, they need to bring them <laughs> back in. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, yeah. If I, if they win the cup, Ayers goes on the cup. I. Well, you know my pick is Tampa Bay, and uh, Victor Hedman ended up playing today, so it seems like that injury is not really as as uh, major as, as we previously thought it was. So my pick uh, on both sides is Tampa Bay and Colorado, and I have the Lightning winning in six games. I would like to see Tampa Bay reach the finals. I'd be okay with the Blue Jackets, and I'd like to see them take on either the Avalanche or the Golden Knights. But I think it's going to be the Golden Knights against the Lane Vigneault's Philadelphia Flyers, unfortunately. 
and the Golden Knights will win. This is their year. They should have won year one, and now you know they're going to be they're going to be they're, they're looking good. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Avalanche make it in. Tampa Bay, I think we could all agree, is the best team on paper, and they should make it. But they're going to have to they're going to have a rough seven game series with the best coach in hockey, John Tortorella, who knocked them out last year when they were a historic team. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Joe, the other news is Major League Baseball is exploring a postseason bubble. Why not Toronto? Toronto doesn't have any baseball for the regular season, but I think they will they would accept a, a bubble, and they got the retractable roof there at the Rogers Center. Why not Toronto? But unfortunately, it's probably going to be Los Angeles. What, what do you think about the postseason bubble idea for MLB? Well, I mean, they had issues. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. With the Blue Jays playing their home games, right? We right, have no idea. Right, because people will be coming in and out, but if they're just going to be there in the hotel... I mean, Toronto's not even on the table, but I was just, I just thought it would make sense because look at all these guys who work at, at the Rogers Center who aren't getting any money this year because the team isn't playing there. It's just, just a tricky situation, but I guess Los Angeles makes sense. You got Anaheim, you got the Dodgers, so you got two stadiums they could use. Uh, but I don't know. Do you think they're going to follow through with this bubble idea? I think it has to be on the table because. They can't run the risk of having players from a team that qualifies for the postseason contract the virus because that would be that would be a disaster. That would force them to have to possibly push back playoff games. And, and as we've seen, most sports right now that are running are running on a tight schedule. You know, they want to get everything wrapped up by the time October comes around. And, and for baseball, probably into November, but... Are, are we really going to be looking at a situation where we're playing December baseball? I Which think, is if, why I if, think they're gonna, if they're going to do it in Los Angeles, they should do it in December. But apparently, they're very anti that for some reason. But you know, Anthony, look at look at look at some of these standings. The St. Louis Cardinals have played five games. They're two and three. How are they possibly making up all these games, even with double headers, with a month left in the season, it's, or a month and a half left in the season? It's going to be really tough. And for me, I was excited for this season. I don't know about you, Anthony, but I think. This is getting even more and more uh, less legitimate as time goes along when it comes to crowning award winners and a World Series champion, 16-team playoff and all that. It's just, it's it's not the best. Maybe that's just because, you know, it's just the randomness of the teams on top of the stings and whatnot, but that's just how I'm feeling. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the significantly shortened season, I think, uh, just on its face, says that it's not a legitimate uh, World Series for me. I mean, you got to go through a 162 game season in my eyes, and you know, going through 60 games. I mean, 
just the idea that, you know, teams that go on a little cold streak here or there that that would be over the long haul of the season the best team, probably not. It just it just doesn't sit well with me, especially being a Yankees fan in this situation. You know, where, where are you guys coming from? Who you, who you guys root for? So we'll, we'll get into that. I mean, because, Joe, look, me and you were both very high on this one team. We thought they had the, the best lineup, if not the second-best lineup in the NL, which is the Mets. They're currently in last place, three-and-a-half <laughs> games back at 7-10. and 10. you got Ioannis Cespedes, who opts out, apparently for COVID-related reasons. Then you have Marcus Stroman, who says, oh, I'm not even worried about injury, and then he just starts to opt out. Listen, if they want to opt out for injuries, that's fine. I mean, if they want to opt out due to real concerns, that's totally fine. Then you see Sasha's at the mall the next day. Stroman, I don't, I don't know what these guys are thinking, Joe, because they're both free agents after this year. They're both coming off. Sasha's didn't play last year. Stroman was not that good with the Mets. And he's opting out. I don't know what is the, what the deal is going to be with him getting a contract now. And Brody Van Wagenen, he might do some – Crazy stuff with deadline because he needs to. He probably realizes that the new owner's coming in. If I don't win the World Series this year, I'm out, and he's, he might mortgage the future. His big moves have been horrendous. Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz, Jed Lowry, and Marcus Stroman. His big moves, none of them have worked out. We'll give him credit for JD Davis, but it's just not ideal what's going on with the Mets, who are a very talented team. Now they're down Stroman. You know, Syndergaard was already out with the Tommy John. Locke is out hurt. Priscilla hasn't been good. Matt hasn't been good. DeGrom's been great. The bullpen's not been too good. That, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on what's going on in Queens? I don't like the fact that Marcus Stroman opted out. That, to me, seemed... I, w- I wouldn't say suspicious. I'm sure he has his, his reasons, but... It does seem suspicious. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think... Mets fans were super excited for the enthusiasm that he was bringing. And remember, he's he was one of those guys who tweeted a lot. Uh, he was, I'm so excited to be, uh, you know, a New Yorker. I'm so excited to come to the Mets. And there was that whole hoopla last year, which team was going to acquire him. Was it going to be the Yankees giving up the prospects needed? Was it going to be the Mets? It ended up being the Mets. So I think, I think the Stroman news right now, is the, the piece of news that has taken mostly what was left of the wind of the sales for the Mets fans away. So I think Cespedes was probably the, the very first piece of significant news, right? And then the the whole piling on with Brody and his acquisitions. And, and listen, he made acquisitions that at the time were probably 50-50 coin flips, there was some defending them. There was some not defending them. Most of them have not worked out. And over the course of two years, I wouldn't say he's necessarily set the franchise back, but his moves just simply have not worked. They are below 500 now. You are what your record says you are. And also, we could even throw in the, the situation of hiring Beltran as manager and, and have uh, to I'm back fine with, I'm fine with hiring Beltran as a manager. That, you know, that happened... I would have kept Beltran, but, you know, it is what it is. Rojas, he's been okay, I guess. Uh, Stroman, he'll be with the he'll be with the Yankees next year, so you could enjoy that. 
Uh, Anthony, Syndergaard, when he comes back, you think he's going to sport a haircut like Jacob deGrom did when he, he got a haircut, he wins two Cy Youngs in a row? You think Syndergaard's going to be inspired to come back, a new me, like cut his hair, and he's, and he's going to bounce back after Tommy John surgery? Yeah, a lot of pressure on him, you know, with deGrom's finger hurting him or something like that. So uh, he's going to come back and be the savior. He's going to save your season. Well, that's not going to happen because he's out for the year. So maybe <laughs> next year, though. Uh, so, uh, Joe, moving back to you uh, with with the Mets. Andres Jimenez, potentially rookie of the year. I mean, what, what do you think about this guy? I don't know. It's still early. It's not early. Waiting. The season's almost over. <laughs> uh, give me, give me. Let's wait until at least a halfway point. Let's wait another two weeks. Anthony, How about that? All right, we'll say. Anthony, I think the Mets need to sign one guy, and I think it would, he'll be the savior. I think it would be Bartolo Colon. They need a starting pitcher. Sign the guy. He's ready to go. What do they have to lose at this point? You think Bartolo Colon could still pitch? Hey, uh, I never count him out. He could hit, too. He could hit home runs, too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what, do you, what do you think, Joe? I think, I'm serious. I think Bartolo Colon, Joe, the Mets should consider <laughs> I know signing. I you are. Him or Jason Marquet, maybe as well. Uh, or I mean, I think I think Colony comes in. He's going to be give you some innings. Uh, but I I said this before the season. I said Seth Lugo should be the starting pitcher for the Mets. He'd be he's a top he's a top five star in the league if he starts. And I think they need to they need to consider doing that now because without Stroman, the starting rotation is scary. Yeah, I mean. Seth Lugo reminds me of the situation that the Yankees had with Phil Hughes ten years ago where he was effective in the bullpen, wasn't necessarily, like, the, your best starter, but he was capable of being a starter. And we saw with the Yankees that they flip-flop for him, they finally put him in the rotation, and uh, ultimately he had a few good years, uh, didn't quite get the, the big long-term contract, kind of fizzled out. Uh, I think Lugo's kind of in that same boat. I, whenever I watch him pitch, I'm always impressed by him. I do think he's underrated, but... Again, with the Mets and the bullpen problems that they have, how are you going to take like a guy like that out of your bullpen? You know, the problem for the Mets over the course of the last five, six years has never been the rotation. For the most part, the rotation always kind of balance out and, and be one of the better ones in baseball. It's always the bullpen that's just a, a colossal disaster. So how do you justify getting a guy like that who can give you a couple of innings out of the pen, put him in the rotation, and then creating another hole in the bullpen? To me, I don't think it makes any sense. But I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Lugo can only pitch one every three or four days in the bullpen anyway, so why not just pitch him one every five days for seven innings? It's fair. No, it's a fair argument. I, I can't disagree you with that. You got Patances, You got Familia. You got Diaz. You got Justin Wilson. Robert Gazelman's back. I think <laughs> you got to try to you got to try to get at least get to the bullpen. But that, right. I mean, that's <laughs> Diaz. <laughs> yeah, moving moving on here. Raw Underground, Joe. I know you're a big fan of Raw Underground, but now, you know, we saw Shayna Baszler came in. Who really cares? Uh, but Ken Shamrock, he wants in a Raw Underground. I think that would be a great idea. Bring him in. He could be the commissioner of Raw Underground. Make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the, the relationship between Shamrock and the WWE is very strained for some reason. I, I couldn't give you an answer why that is. But yeah, so Shamrock has kind of taken notice of it and he was really the first one of the the athletes who were in the, the mixed martial arts or doing UFC to cross over into WWE. So if there's anybody who knows anything about it, it would be him. And, and obviously they used to have those Lions Den matches 
way back when, which again was just you know sanctioned fights, you know, on on WWE TV screens. Uh, I'm if they repair the relationship or if there's some type of thing that he could do to to help them out, I think they should explore it. I think a lot of people miss Ken Shamrock, and a lot of people clamor for him to uh, to at least who had to have made a run maybe over the course of the last 10 to 20 years. People have wanted him back for a while. So The other news we'll is Pat McAfee. He's going to be competing at TakeOver to face Adam Cole. I think he should certainly win. Uh, deadly punt. <laughs> Punters have great punts, so I think that should be the finisher. How do you think that match is going to look? So I don't know if you watched NXT this week, but they actually did an angle like that. Uh, I believe they're turning Undisputed Era face. McAfee was sitting at ringside doing some announcing. And I saw. He, he, punted, he punted Cole. And I thought that was the best finisher for a, punch, for a punter. Yeah, and it looks like McAfee's going to be the heel in this scenario. And, Doesn't make and sense. Listen, I, know, I know Adam Cole's not really your cup of tea. That's totally fair. You know, you're entitled to like the guys you want to like. That being said, uh, I think the angle was done extremely well, considering that that's the plan that they're going for. So we'll see what happens. They have me invested in the angle. Now it's about can he perform in the ring and can he actually have a match? So if you have a good angle and you don't have a good match, then to me your your run was considered a failure, right? So he's he's checked one of the two boxes. Now he's got to check the other. How about Goldberg calling out Roman Reigns this week? What do you think about that? I I'm done with Goldberg. Ah, I think I think we've seen him enough. He's coming back. Right you know, he's going to face Reigns at some point, so we'll see about that. I, so. I don't know if it'll happen at a WrestleMania. Though. Saudi Arabia. Summer, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. And the other thing is, you know, we've, been, we've talked some AEW. Orange Cassidy speaks in front of no audience. That's not going to bode well for his character in the long run. No. No, I don't think so. Uh, but I will say I enjoyed the, the whole debate segment with Jericho. Uh, I, I do think that they're doing a good job building up Orange Cassidy. Uh, so for me, I'm not like as crazy on him as others are. Uh, I think there are a couple more talents that are in AEW who I'm more of a big fan of, that being including like MJF, obviously because he reminds me of The Miz, and, and The Miz is our guy. But uh, I think he's, he's done a good job with that. And the other news is this weekend, UFC 252, Daniel Cormier for Stipe Miocic. The rematch. What do you think of this, Joe? It's a big match. It's, unfortunately, it's not in front of fans, but as far as UFC fights, it's as big as it's going to get this year. And rumor has it that both guys are looking to retire for this match. I don't think that's the case because I think there's two big names out there that they could both face, but we'll get to that in a moment. What do you think of this match and who is going to win this fight? Give me a quick synopsis. The first fight, Cormier... Not, he, he didn't get lucky, but he found the right flaw in Stipe's game. Second fight, Stipe made a great in-fight adjustment, started working the body, and that really ultimately was the difference. Uh, I think Stipe will win the third fight, and I do think that Cormier will retire. I think Stipe will continue fighting on. I think he's got a couple of fights left in him. And wanted to make a quick point that I love Cormier because he's a huge WWE guy. So Cormier is one of those guys who gets it, and and a lot of MMA guys generally tend to like the WWE. So there there's there's a, there's always this inner war, I guess. Like MMA purists don't like wrestling because it's like scripted and they think it's fake, and 
and WWE fans are just kind of in like in the entertainment aspect of it, so they don't really have time to follow the UFC and, and get to know all the fighters. But I love Cormier. Cormier's the guy that we need to make the crossover into WWE. So if Cormier wins, do you think he's retiring still? I think he's retiring either way, win or loss. So then that be, that leaves Stipe to fight John Jones or, better yet, Brock Lesnar. you see any of those bouts happening? I think if Daniel Cormier wants it, I think a fight with or a match with Brock Lesnar in WWE would be on the table. Not because UFC, I say that? Not UFC. How about Raw Underground? Raw Underground's a possibility. The reason why I don't think it's UFC is I don't think Brock, at this point of his life, because he's now in his mid-40s. You know, he's, he's getting up there in age. He turned 43 uh, just over a month ago. I... To me, that's that's just old in, in mixed martial arts terms. Once you hit your mid to late thirties, that's really when you start to lose and you're out of your prime. I mean, Cormier's forty one though, so it's not like yeah, I know too far off. No, it's true. There, he's he's definitely an anomaly. He's the exception to the rule. He's one of the best fighters of all time. But again, I think it makes more sense to do a hybrid mixed martial arts. Uh, pro wrestling style match in WWE than it is to do a legitimate fight in UFC. So you don't, do you see Stipe taking on John Jones? I do. I think that fight will eventually happen. Uh, so I think John Jones, DC, Stipe, Cain Velasquez, Conor McGregor, they should all come over to Raw Underground, do some <laughs> sort of uh, big matches there. I think that would be great, especially if they could transition that into a ring or a big stage. Uh, but it's 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 going to be uh, really interesting just to see how that goes on. It's been a crazy week in sports, and uh, you know, Big Ten is was the big news. But Joe's going to Joe's going to head to a Big Ten city this weekend to to scout it out for us to see how that round's looking. Nick, I have one more piece of breaking news to add on to the Big Ten point. The Pac-12 just met, and ten minutes ago they decided that they will not be playing football in the fall. So that's wow. the second domino that falls. Now, two of the five power conferences are not playing. The other three may follow soon and within the next couple of days. That's, that's major. To bring things full circle, then, Anthony, we'll bring you back in here. Do you think that the NHL 2021 season could be in trouble unless they say we're going to do a full hub season? And I think that would be really hard to pass with the players union, doing a full regular season in a hub. Yeah, you saw with Major League Baseball, they didn't want to do it, and it kind of had some bad effects, as we could tell so far with teams having outbreaks of COVID. Um, I think that that's the best way to do it. But, you know, over the whole season, it's going to be hard to get the players to agree to that. Um, But you saw the success of the bubble with the playoffs with no positive cases. Isn't that correct so far? So that's correct. Yes, no positive cases. Still no positive cases. That's that's huge. That shows the uh, the durability of the uh, the bubble there in uh, Toronto and Edmonton. But um, you're saying for for next season for the NHL, uh, I think they'll consider it. For some reason, they there's a lot more harmony between the NHLPA and the owners than there is the major baseball owners in MLBPA. Um, so they might be able to agree to something there. Um, but again, uh, I guess the, the start date of the season is also up in the air. 
uh, I guess we're thinking, you know, it has to be two months after the uh, the playoffs end this year, right? Yeah, so probably yeah. in December, right, Joe? Yeah, I'm thinking that if they can wrap up the, the, the Stanley Cup within the, the time frame that they want, which is, I believe, the first week of October, then I think the players will agree to an abbreviated offseason, a really expedited process. I could see them starting the season in December. Uh, what I think might happen is they may agree to do the first portion of the season in a hub setting, and then I think from there, pending the the, the whole getting the travel situation uh, taken care of, you'll see what Major League Baseball is doing now where they're allowing teams to, to basically travel to places, and they'll probably play games. My guess is that there won't be fans until at least the spring of next year in these arenas. So, yeah, so I, I, I could see that happening. Uh, Anthony, this has been really, really great. We really enjoyed having you on. Uh, so for anybody who listens to this podcast, Nick and I always give the last word to our guest. So, uh, again, had a really great time talking with you. Anthony, the floor is yours. You can tell us whatever you want. You want to promote yourself in any way. You might start have the last word. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. I had a lot of fun and learned a lot from talking to you guys. So I appreciate it. And, you know, just uh, I'm going to be all about the Rangers from here on out, baby. <laughs> Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. All right. This is a big year. We got we got a great team. This is like the best uh, time to be a Rangers fan ever here, right? Yeah, I think so. so. I don't know. I think 1994 might have been a little better, but hey, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. For WG Sports Ranger and some hockey writer Anthony Paradiso, for my co-host Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know All Right. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com.